This is the Roast and Reason podcast. Join your host, Andrew Boyer, as we explore the world of specialty coffee. So grab a cup of your favorite coffee and let's dive in. Welcome to Roast and Reason. Hey, everybody. I'm really glad that you all made the decision to tune into this podcast again. It really does mean a lot to me that you've decided to spend your very valuable and precious time with me on this podcast, so thank you guys very much. In the last several episodes, we've really focused on home coffee roasting, but we're going to change course a bit for this episode and moving forward. We've kind of covered a lot of what I wanted to cover on home coffee roasting. And so today we're going back to a topic that I've talked about in the past. And today we're going to do a single origin coffee focus, just like I've done on Kenya and Ethiopia and Sumatra before. Today we're going to talk about Jamaican coffee. I've done, like I said, I've done a few other of these focused episodes and I really enjoyed putting them together. I hope you guys have enjoyed them and learned from them. Um, So today we're going to focus on Jamaica. And odds are you've probably heard of or tried Jamaican coffee, specifically Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee. But how much do you know of the history about coffee growing on the island of Jamaica? And what makes Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee so popular and sought after? And is it worth all the fuss? So by the end of this episode, hopefully you'll know the answers to those questions better. Hopefully you'll have a better understanding of the history and the coffee growing on Jamaica, the marketing process that went behind Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee, and be a more informed consumer and coffee fanatic. So let's talk about the history of Jamaican coffee production. And coffee production on the island dates back to the early 1700s. Back in 1720, the Dutch and the French entered into a military treaty. This treaty actually included a deal that the Dutch would send several coffee plants from their colony on the Indonesian island of Java to France as part of the treaty. At that point, the Dutch had had a ton of success in coffee production on Java, and the French saw this as an opportunity to get in on the wildly lucrative coffee trade. And so once these plants were received by France, botanists back in France, in Europe, had success caring for these trees. But they also knew that they weren't going to grow and develop a coffee plantation on continental Europe. Coffee plants just aren't going to grow there. But they suspected that they would have some success on several of their island colonies. So a couple years after receiving the trees in 1723, King Louis XV sent three coffee plants to the French colony on the island of Martinique. He gave this task to a navy captain named Gabriel de Clue. And according to the story... During this trip across the Atlantic Ocean, fresh water became so scarce that it had to be rationed. 
so each member of the crew got their own ration of fresh drinking water. DeClue shared his ration of water with the coffee plants to keep them alive. And that, my friends, is commitment. So he gave his own drinking water to the coffee plants to keep them alive during this journey across the Atlantic. At the end, though, DeClue was successful, and these handful of coffee plants went on to start a very, very successful coffee plantation in Martinique. But DeClue's success went far beyond the, the, the shores of Martinique. These coffee trees went on to plant much of the coffee and coffee plantations throughout Central America and South America, including Jamaica. So several years after receiving the coffee plants from France, the governor of Martinique sent his counterpart, the governor of Jamaica, a single coffee tree as a gift in 1927. This single coffee tree was nurtured and used to seed an entire plantation. And about nine years later, nine years after the very first coffee tree arrived on the shores of Jamaica, the first Jamaican coffee was exported. And as they say, the rest is history. And for those A-plus students out there, Basically, all coffee on Jamaica, all of the coffee that we're talking about, is of the Tipica variety. And if the, the name Tipica doesn't ring a bell, or if you're interested in learning more about the different coffee varieties, I'd suggest that you check out episodes 24 and 25 of the Roast and Reason podcast, where we spent quite a bit of time talking about the different Arabica coffee varietals and some of the history about how they came about. But let's get back to Jamaica. By the early 1800s, Jamaica, the small island of Jamaica, had become a leading coffee producer in the world. At its peak, the island produced somewhere around 16,500 tons of coffee a year. And that number probably doesn't mean anything to you. But keep that in mind, 16,500 tons of coffee. The issue was... Like most other colonies at that time, most coffee production was accomplished using slave labor. And so the coffee production suffered when slave labor decreased. And there were two major events that decreased slave labor in Jamaica. In 1807, the slave trade was terminated, and slavery was finally abolished in 1838. And so both of those things really impacted coffee production. Many of the coffee plantations were closed and replanted with food crops for the newly freed former slaves to feed their own families. Production decreased, coffee quality suffered, and by the mid to late 1800s, the coffee industry was basically in shambles. And at that point, it produced about 1,000 650 tons of coffee a year. Remember that original peak? So it went from producing 16,500 tons of coffee to 1,650 tons of coffee. So dramatic decrease in coffee production from the island of Jamaica. And coffee production basically limped along for decades until the 1940s. And at this point, the Jamaican government stepped in and decided it had to do something to reinvigorate the coffee industry. During the 1940s and 1950s, 
The government did basically two things. First, they established a central clearing coffee operation. Basically, this was a, a, an operation where all coffee that was going to be exported off of the island of Jamaica had to be processed and inspected for quality. They also created the Jamaican Coffee Industry Board, which was responsible for improving and controlling the quality and reputation of Jamaican coffee. So they were really focused on educating both coffee producers in terms of how to grow coffee better, how to process coffee better, and they were responsible for significant marketing efforts. So over the years, this Jamaican Coffee Industry Board has set the standard for growing and harvesting and processing coffee, and they've really been responsible for marketing coffee. They inspect all the coffee before it is exported to strictly ensure quality. And all of these changes in the 1940s and 1950s, as well as one of the best marketing efforts the coffee world has ever seen, dramatically increased the quality and desirability of Jamaican coffee ever since the early 1900s. And one of the best examples of this marketing effort that the Jamaican government undertook was called Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee. So during these single-origin focus episodes, I like to talk about the different growing regions within each country. There really is only one growing region in Jamaica, and it's arguably one of the most famous coffee-growing regions in the world, and that's Blue Mountain. But it turns out Blue Mountain is more of a well-defined designation than an actual growing region. So stick with me here. Only coffee is grown in the parishes of St. Andrew, St. Thomas, St. Mary, and Portland, and between 900 and 1,500 meters, which is the equivalent of about 3,000 to 4,900 feet, can be labeled as Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee. So it has to be from these specific growing regions and at a certain altitude. So again, Blue Mountain's not really a growing region, it's a designation. Coffee is grown in that same region, so from those same four parishes, but at an elevation of 450 to 900 meters are labeled Jamaica High Mountain instead of Jamaica Blue Mountain, and the designation Jamaica Supreme, or the other name for it is Jamaica Low Mountain, goes to coffees grown at those same regions, but below 450 meters. So once the Jamaica government made efforts to regulate and improve coffee back in the 1940s and 1950s, coffee from this Blue Mountain region gradually improved in quality and gained significantly in reputation. And as a result, Jamaica Blue Mountain came to be regarded as one of the some of the finest and best coffee in the world. Some still consider this coffee to be some of the finest coffee in the world and worthy of extremely expensive prices even today. The vast majority of Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee is exported to, to Japan. And an interesting side note is this is one of the only coffees in the world that is routinely transported in wooden barrels rather than jute bags. Most coffee throughout the world is harvested, processed, and then transported in jute bags. 
Jamaica Blue Mountain, they use wooden barrels. Part of the demand, and I mentioned the very high price that you might see associated with Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee, has to do with its historical prestige and its quality. But a lot of it has to do with its relatively small supply. The area that can be called Blue Mountain Coffee in those four parishes at that certain elevation is really basically the size of a single large estate in some of the high-volume growing countries of the world like Brazil. So like some of the largest estates in Brazil are the same size as the entire Blue Mountain growing region. To look at this small production of Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee another way, annual production in this region, so annual production of Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee, is equivalent to about 0.1% of Colombian coffee production yearly. So really small area, really small production means relatively low supply, so this in-demand coffee is even more in demand because it's hard to get your hands on it. What does this coffee taste like? So Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee tends to be very clean, very sweet. It's very drinkable with a relatively low acidity. So if you're someone who really doesn't like acidity in your coffee, and some coffees that have a high acidity as a, as a comparison would be something like an Ethiopian coffee, a Kenyan coffee. Um, so if that bite or that acidity in a Kenyan coffee is something you don't like, you may like a Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee. Very drinkable, very high quality, very clean, very sweet. With that said, these coffees don't have much complexity or, in my mind, personality. There's really nothing about these coffees that's going to make you wonder, wait, what did I just drink? That that was amazing. It's just very clean, approachable, and in my mind, boring. But it's important to remember that Blue Mountain Coffee came to be regarded as some of the best coffee in the world at a time where there really weren't many quality, well-grown, and well-processed coffees being produced by the rest of the world. So really, at the time that Blue Mountain Coffee created a name for itself, and the Jamaicans had so much success marketing this. This was really a time where quality of production really separated it from many of the other coffee-producing regions in the world. So the Jamaicans really got a great head start here. But now that some of these other regions have caught up, in my humble opinion, even the best Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee really doesn't do it for me the same way that a quality Ethiopian or Burundi coffee does. There's really two reasons why you don't see a lot of Blue Mountain coffee at high-end specialty coffee roasters or shops nowadays. One is just decreased supply and relatively high cost. The other is they don't really have the same complexity that a lot of modern specialty coffee drinkers are looking for. So kind of to wrap things up, I find this coffee to be very high quality, but somewhat forgettable. And to me, it's not worth some of the extremely expensive prices that I've come across. But I will say that if you have never had Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee, it's worth having a cup if you ever get the chance, simply because of its historical significance. This is one of the most famous coffee growing regions in the world. 
It really has a very important place in the history of coffee. Uh, and it's, it's not a bad cup of coffee. It's a very quality cup of coffee. Just not my favorite like an Ethiopian coffee is nowadays. So that's all I've got for you guys. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you learned a couple things about Jamaican coffee, its history, and what the term Jamaica Blue Mountain Coffee actually means. Um, and now you can be a more informed consumer. So I will be back with another episode of the podcast in two weeks. I will see all of you guys then. Uh, I look forward to it. Take care, my friends.